you need to educate yourself. You can't listen to a podcast and put together uh, a Facebook marketing campaign just by listening to one podcast. There's work, there's research, there's knowledge that you need to get in things like that. So first off, I just want to say welcome to the podcast. And before we jump into the episode, let me tell you a little bit about myself and what you can expect. I have been in the business now for coming up on 30 years. What we're going to talk about in this podcast are things that go on in my day-to-day life, whether it be as a manager, whether it be as a consultant, whether it be as someone who is creating products that's helping musicians all over the world. If there's something going on in the industry, we're going to talk about it. If there's a strategy that needs to be taught, we're going going to talk about it. And if there's some way that I can help get you closer to your goal, then you are in the right place because that's what we are going to talk about here on the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. Now let's jump into the episode. Helping you navigate the music industry, here's Rick Barker with the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. So to the podcast, I went ahead and decided to bring on an old friend. A lot of you know him. Uh, as an artist is manifest. Some of you know him as Chris Greenwood, who is a music marketing genius with his uh, company, Smart Music Business. I know Chris uh, as just a dude that's constantly investing in himself, trying to make a difference, not only in other people's lives, but also in his own musically. So he's one of the few people that I'm able to get access to that is not only doing it on the marketing side, like I'm doing it and trying to help artists like I do, but he's also a fully functioning artist himself. So Chris, for those people that don't know you, tell them a little bit about you and thanks for coming in and uh, joining me. Yeah, honored to be here, Rick, man. Um, I released my first album, or I should say EP in 2001. So that gives you an idea of how long I've been doing this, 17 years. Um, I quit my job about 12 years. So I've been doing music full-time for about 12 years and started coaching artists, I guess, about two or three years ago when I just, you know, backstage, you have conversations in the green room, you have conversations and, you know, it's, it's a different conversation that you have with your artist friends than it is with your fans. And you're talking about the biz, you're talking about surviving, you're talking about how to make money and stuff. And I was realizing a lot of artists just didn't have these income streams set up that I had. Well, let's back up. Let's back up then because Yes, you were an artist for 12 years. Let's talk about the kind of artist that you are. Let's talk about the successes that you've had. Don't, you know, candy coat the fact or walk over the fact that you were signed to a major label. You've been on an independent, you know, let's, let's talk about some of those things because a lot of people don't understand that. There's too many people that, you know, I play golf. Am I qualified to be a golf instructor? Absolutely not. You know, so let's talk about why you're qualified to have these conversations now at a much deeper level. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've, I've sold hundreds of thousands of albums, millions of singles. You know, I blew up in Japan at one point where we were selling 10,000 records a week. The label tried to sign me to a full deal during that time and steal my publishing and change what was a licensing deal where I would get my records back. They wanted to sign me to a full deal where they'd own my rights or own my records for in perpetuity or basically forever. And uh, thank God, after church, I had the idea just to, why don't I just email all these booking agents myself and see if I can set up the tour. And uh, within 24 hours, one of the agents hit me back and they're like, yeah, we can set up a tour for sure. Um, Fully paid flights, flew my wife over, uh, played Tokyo, Osaka, you know, 800 plus people, sold tons of merch, went back multiple times. 
I actually put my fist right in front, or how do I put this? I put my foot in the label's face in the U.S., and then I went and signed a deal directly with EMI Japan for a time, and, uh, and they were pissed. They were so ticked when I did that. And uh, just continue to do things independently and, and work with, you know, um, distributors or stuff myself and just learn how to, we were always doing the marketing ourselves, me, my wife and my team, like we we're always like hands on, you know, I was never the type of artist to be like, oh, well, the label will just take care of that. Oh, the label will do that. Any artists that say that or did that are no longer around unless they actually happen to blow up, um, which, you know, sometimes it's only a one hit wonder. So you know, I left the label system about three or four records ago and just started getting all my records back and just blown away at the amount of, you know, income that they were actually taking. And now that I'm getting 100%, it's really opened up my eyes uh, to, to what was uh, available. And so I felt like I needed to shout this from the rooftops and tell other artists and, sure. and teach them and just share, you know? And one of the things I want to go ahead and preface right now is all record deals aren't bad record deals. All record companies aren't bad record companies. They're in a business. And if they're the ones funding the entire operation, as you, as an independent artist funding the entire operation, you should always try to make the best deal for you. And yep. what's unfortunate sometimes, and I've said this in the past, is Scott Borchette at Big Machine Records, he goes, the sucky part about getting into a contract with an artist is that you have to talk about the divorce at the beginning. You know, so what's going to happen in the beginning yeah is each side's going to try to make sure that each side gets taken care of. I was just having this conversation earlier today with Maddie Newton, and we were talking about that the job of being an artist is the same job. The companies are different. So if you're an independent, your company is responsible for finding distribution. At the label, they have a department that sends it off to your distributors. As an independent artist, it's your responsibility to get all your paperwork signed from your producers. At the record company, they have a department that does that. It's called the A&R department. As an independent artist, you are the bank. At the record company, if it's, they're the bank. So the job of an artist is always the same. The job is to create the right material, get the right material out there. What I love that you just said is that you've always thought like a marketer. Bottom line, folks, part of your job description, whether you like it or not, is digital marketer, period. Yeah. You are a digital marketer. And if you avoid that, you're going to be broke. Yeah. Just, you know, get excited about the fact that you've got the tools and you've got the resources. Not every artist is built the way you are. Another thing that you and I were talking about earlier today when I called you and I was coming into work is, you know, you were talking about uh, putting your old songs to work. Talk yes. about that because there's a lot of people that listen to this that have old catalog and put their music career moving forward on hold until they get new music. Talk to us a little bit about putting your old songs to work. Yeah, well, if you even look at Spotify numbers for any, you know, artists that have been around for a while, you'll notice some of the biggest songs are a lot of times the older one, not always, but you, you notice that that one continues to bring in a lot of uh, income. And I know it is for me still the song impossible. And um, I think it was, it was this year alone. I used a music video from that song impossible. I spent about $10,000 uh, on one Facebook ad. And that was the music video in it from 2000 and five or four you know what i mean and so it brought all these new eyes because 
you know, the label, that was the one that blew up in the Japan, that song. But nobody in the U.S. really saw it. Nobody in Europe really saw it. And, you know, if it's hitting in one place, why not take it to the other? And because, like, I always say that, like, just because, like, a thousand people have heard it or even 10,000, there's, there's millions of people out there sure. that want to want to buy it and bring it. And how you go about bringing, breathing new life into it is, like, maybe you do shoot a music video. Maybe you do um, – a Facebook ad campaign like I did and promote it. And I got over 1.2 million views on it um, from Facebook and, um, and, and talk about it and, and, and talk about it from different angles, like interview about it, do a song explanation video, you know, sure. you can still tour it or remix it for heaven's sake. Make fun of the fact that the outfit that you were wearing in it is so outdated. You know, there's so many different yeah. things that you could do, but I want to back up a second because you just said something that, you just kind of brushed by, but some people probably just pissed themselves when you said, yeah, I spent $10,000 on a Facebook campaign against this video. <laughs> Explain to them. Some people haven't made $10,000. So when you just brush by that, but let's talk about that because that's going to lead in to the next conversation that we have. Talk to yeah, them about absolutely. why you felt it was important for you to invest money towards getting the, not just eyeballs, on that video, but the right eyeballs. Go ahead. Yes. Okay. So this is something I, I teach in my, my music marketing black box thing where it's basically a free plus shipping offer where I give away my CD for free and I ask my fans just to cover the shipping, whether that's five bucks, six bucks, seven bucks. Sometimes if it's PayPal, I'll do seven ninety seven um, because uh, it's just, you know, PayPal is a little trickier and they just take a fee. Okay. And so that's where I spent all the money giving away my CD. And it was actually my new CD stones. I was giving away for free as long as they covered shipping and handling. And, uh, but I was using an old video. And so, cause it was just getting shared. It got like 1200 shares, thousands of comments. I don't even know how many likes. And, um, and so, cause it was working and what happens is the Facebook pixel gets smarter and smarter. Every time I got a purchase, Facebook was like, oh, okay, let me find another person like that. And then they got two. So they got all this data. After I got like 10, 20, 50 purchases, all of a sudden Facebook knew where to find my Your fans, right. In Canada, but I was shipping them to Poland. We we're going to Czechoslovakia, UK, <laughs> Germany. Like I was shipping CDs. Uh, well, let me explain too what, what Chris means by this. So a lot of the stuff that he's talking about, if you're just new to the whole Facebook marketing, pixels and all this stuff, we don't have the time in a podcast to teach you all this stuff, but I just recently did a Facebook uh, live from the DIY Musicians Conference with CD Baby, where I talked about running Facebook ads for a dollar a day. So if you go to, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for you to go watch that presentation. Uh, we talk a lot about pixels. We talk a lot about audiences. We talk a lot about those things. So uh, Chris, I think you're back with us. Uh, now, what Chris is doing is he's trying to help Facebook find the right audience for him. And the best way to do that is by getting that pixel to fire. And it fires when people watch a video. It fires when people go to a landing page. It fires when people go to a thank you page. There's so many things that you can do to just, I call it feed the kitty, just continue to feed the data and continue to feed the information to Facebook. And then Facebook is going to go out 
and find more of those people for you. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to get Chris back on here. Another thing that I wanted to uh, talk to you about is the mentality that he had was that why couldn't he pick up the phone and call clubs? Why couldn't he pick up the phone and start building the relationships? That's what smart artists do, okay, is they figure out how to do this. Are you back with us? Hey, I'm back. Sorry about that, man. Awesome. No worries. No worries. So I was just kind of building you up there. But uh, as we were continue to talk about, I don't want to get on the technical side of pixels and tracking and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is, is you spent money to build an audience that at one some point you decided to ask them to participate in a transaction with you. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, selling as many CDs as I did and the email list I built from that and just, you know, likes, of course, went up, streams went up, like, you know, even like, it, like, <clears throat> this was the uh, campaign that got featured on Facebook. Um, that I'll send you the link to put in the notes so people can sure. see it and see the see the ROI and all that stuff. Return but, on uh, investment for those that don't know it. Yeah, because um, like because a lot of people even posted in the comments, oh, I just picked this up on iTunes or I just got picked this up, and you know, just so you know, like I, we were responding to all the comments and just making sure we we're in there and, and participating in the social media, like. Sometimes it's easy just to just you just want to just sit back and let the ad run. It's like no, you got to participate and uh, you know respond to the people and, and like them back and say thank you and just just be involved with them and also deleting some of the spam that you get on there because there's definitely some haters on there as well too. You you get some of that. Well, and I think too one of the things that you need to understand is that a lot of times we're looking for that instant return on investment. And a lot of times it takes a while. And most businesses don't make money for the first three years. They start their business having the ability to pay bills without anything coming in for three years. So you as an artist need to start looking at budgeting. You need to start looking at things like that. That's why, you know, a lot of the technical stuff that we're talking about, if you go to smartmusicbusiness.com, which is Chris's site, there's some free stuff that you can get. You need to educate yourself. You can't listen to a podcast and put together uh, a Facebook marketing campaign just by listening to one podcast. There's work, there's research, there's knowledge that you need to get and things like that. So I don't want people to jump off this and go, great, I got a CD. I'm going to go run a free plus shipping offer right now. You may not have built your audience to that point yet where they're ready to make that purchase. You may not have warmed them up enough because a cold person, there's going to be a few and what cold means is they just found you. Maybe they watched the video, first time they ever saw it. You made an offer. They're like, dude, I like that song. I like this guy. I'll spend five bucks. I'll spend seven bucks. The warm person may be somebody who's watched two or three videos but just isn't quite there yet. But yeah. they keep opening your emails. you know. But they're not quite there yet. What do you keep sending them to get, take them from warm to purchase? What's something that you said, let this, you have all this old music, let it work for you. Do you send more free downloads? Do you send more free songs, more exclusive stuff? What do you send? Yeah, I, I have about 30 to 40 pre-written emails, believe it or not. So people go through a real story, like a real journey. I'll share stories of me getting in car accidents on the way to the music video shoot. I'll share in then links to that music video. I'll share, you know, uh, 
live show footage, all kinds of stuff, but always telling stories and, and, and being soft about the cell PS. Hey, did you get this yet? And then sometimes, you know, after maybe seven or eight emails or whatever it is, once I've warmed them up a little bit more, maybe I'll do a sale. I'll say, Hey man, thanks for being on my list. You know, I want to do this thing, especially for you. Let's pretend we're on a show and I'm giving you a fist bump and I want to give you a deal at the merchandise table, you know? And, um, and then send them to my online store to pick up some merch or whatnot. And uh, just, again, building that relationship. But Rick, you said it so, so I, I, and I was the same place. So, so all the artists that say this, you're not wrong to say it, but you, you want your money back as fast as you can. And I don't, I, don't, I don't blame you for that, but it just unfortunately doesn't work that way all the time. Um, sometimes it does if you're on a tour, you know, and then you, you get paid and then you, get, you also sell a bunch of merch. Sure, you'll get ROI, but on the on stuff, sometimes you got to get that bolder movement. You got to get that locomotive moving and it takes energy and that energy is sometimes money. It's time. It's moving. And but then you'll see your ROI maybe on your second record. Right. You know, or, or, you know, like it's not always up front. And that's why you got to be willing to just invest and just be stoked that people are still buying your music and you're getting it out there. And that if you stay in this game long enough, you know, um, you'll get paid. And Rick, you tell me, like, isn't that why labels always want to sign you to multiple records because they know the first one they might not make any money back it's it's on the second or third that more chance of, of being profitable sometimes right it is and right now it's like what the label wants to do is they want to say okay we've identified somebody that we think has talent we think that they have a message that people will take on but it may take us a while to find those folks and see it took a while before because radio was the only outlet mtv yeah. was the only outlet now with the way that, you know, the internet is, there's labels that are signing singles deals right now because they can tell after one song if people are going to come into your world. Or they can also determine yeah. your work ethic because that's the one thing that people, it's like if you buy a guitar, what's the return on investment of a guitar? It's zero if you don't play it. It's zero if you don't practice with it. It's zero if yeah. you don't learn it. But if you have the willingness to do that, your return on investment can come much quicker from that initial yeah. investment in a guitar. Uh, the same thing I love when Gary Vee says, you know, the return on investment for him in a basketball is zero, but for LeBron in a basketball, it's billions. There's also some talent that comes into play. You know, not yeah. everyone has as much talent or is as good as they think they are. And that's what I think yeah. is a bigger problem is that it's so crowded out there in the space with some really bad music and some really bad mark you know it's like these these bad artists became good marketers so their stuff's showing up all over the place and i'm like my gosh you know let's start focusing on our craft let's get this stuff right another thing that i want to talk to you about and then we'll end this one because you and i can go on forever is that you told me you're heading to austin to do a show you told me what you were getting paid and i said how big's your band what was your answer to me this morning when i said how big's your band that you're taking with you to austin Oh, I said, I'm flying me and my drummer and my guitarist couldn't make this one. We're going to go rock the show. How are you going to rock it, which is you and a drummer? Well, I'm going to set the drummer up probably stage right a little bit ahead to fill up the stage. Uh, we're running tracks. And, uh, you know, like I shared earlier, I toured the world with an iPod and just tracks and performed. And, you know, it really forced me to learn how to handle an audience and how to speak to an audience and how to perform confidently because I didn't have the band and I noticed a lot of bands kind of hide behind like the front guys hide behind their bands they think just because they got all these guys playing 
let's put it on a show. And it's, it's not, it's talking in between songs and learning how to really engage and connect and get people moving and having moments in your show. And so I'd blow away bands just with my iPod, let alone having a drummer or anyone else. By the time I had the bass player, guitarist and all that stuff, like, you know, I was dialed in, you know, so you definitely don't need to have all that stuff at the beginning. And heck man, I, no offense to any bass players uh, out there, but uh, I wish I left it at home and just put you on tracks. I would have saved uh, the, the show pay. I would have saved some hotel and food <laughs> and, right. and not, nobody would have cared. Nobody would have cared. Offense. <laughs> well, and that's what I think a lot of times is, is artists are making excuses on why they can't do something. I can't tour yet. Cause I don't have a band. I can't, uh, put out anything because I don't have any new music. It's like, they're always looking for excuses. And a lot of times people ask what I do for a living. I said, I'm a psychologist to the music industry, you know? And then in some days I have to be a psychiatrist uh, <laughs> to the music industry. Uh, we're just trying to, we're not trying to convince anyone to do anything. We're just trying to show you that while you're sitting around making excuses, somebody else is out there making money. And oh, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a hobbyist? Or do you want to be an artist? You do not need anyone's permission to be an artist. You do not need anyone's permission to start making money. You do not need anyone's permission to start touring. If you don't have a venue to play, create your own venue. On this recent, this trip that Trent and I are doing, heading out west, we are playing Red Rock Amphitheater, and we're also playing uh, Hadley's Backyard. You know what I mean? There's no place that he won't play. And that's the mentality that you have to have as an artist, if you want to be successful. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure that you've got ways to track down Chris, both through smart music business, but I also want you to go check out manifest.com, which is his music, M-A-N-A-F-E-S-T.com, and sign up for his list, and then copy everything that he does. I give you permission to steal his stuff word for word, right, Chris? Absolutely, man. Go If you, if you sign up for my free cd and whether you go through the whether you buy this cd or not you're actually on my list now and i've you'll be getting an email from me almost every other day that are pre-written and uh you know go check it out on spotify too just to see you know we got about 282,000 monthly listeners right now and uh you know i'll say this just because it's it's funny i was at a show the other day and uh i was congratulating a band because it was like they got 10 million uh, streams on a song They're like oh the label gets all that and I said oh that's too bad I'm about to get 10 million on one of my songs and I own everything and uh, so again you can do it without a label and you see these guys that are crushing it with labels and they're broke don't uh, don't believe the smoke and mirrors all the time all right if you guys are just now finding this podcast for the first time Chris also has a podcast the smart music business podcast uh, go ahead and head over to my website rickbarker.com Grab a free copy of the book, click on the podcast link on the website, and you'll be able to go back and get these show notes. Everything that we mentioned in this episode, you'll be able to get access to and any past episodes. Uh, if you're big on Spotify, go back and listen to episode 50, where I talk with uh, a Spotify playlist curator, and that episode is getting a ton of views. So, Chris, man, I appreciate you. I, I, I respect and appreciate our relationship, uh, not only as people trying to help other artists in the industry, but Christian brothers and husbands and fathers. And you're just a great dude. And I appreciate you. Yeah, you too, man. I really appreciate our friendship. And uh, I look forward to many, many cool years ahead doing stuff together, man. It's going to be great. 
hope you enjoyed this episode of the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Remember, there is no one-size-fits-all model when it comes to the music industry. So check out my website, rickbarker.com. Take the quiz, and I will send you information specific to you to help make sure that you are on the right track. You've been listening to the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast with Rick Barker. You can follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Barker Music. And remember, you don't drown by falling into the water, you drown by staying there. <laughs>